Welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Hey, Jen, I've got something for you. What? This. (laughs) You guys, she has one lighted candle, and I do believe that is because it is the first anniversary or birthday, we're not exactly sure what to call it, of On Boys Podcast. And we thought we would do something really fun to celebrate. You know, we thought about cake, we thought about champagne, but we have our days to, our meetings to get to, and we don't have you to share cake with. So we thought that we would interview each other today. Yep. So we have been thinking of some questions for each other. And I suspect we will do a fair amount of making this up as we go along. The (laughs) idea is to help you know us a little bit better, maybe learn a little bit more about why we do these things that we do, why we talk so much about boys, and hopefully you will also pick up a few tidbits that you find useful in your lives. And maybe laugh a little bit as we go along. Lord knows we will. Uh, Yes. You were supposed to laugh there. Oh, dang. <laughs> Whoops. All Laugh, right. Laughing on cue. We, we speak over each other a lot because we always have so much to say. I think it's commendable that, and maybe our listeners don't realize this, is that we have never met in real life. No, we have been doing this podcast together consistently for a year. We have yet to meet in person. And you probably have um, better records of this than I do, because I know you unearthed some old notes uh, a week or so ago. When did our paths first cross in this boy world? I don't have the exact date, but I remember interviewing you for my boy talk, which was Mm -hmm. pre-podcast world. And we just hit it off. And that was probably, I'm going to guess, about 20... 14 or 15. That's probably about right. I know when I started, you know, blogging in the space, blogging, blogging about boys was my first blog. And then I transformed that into buildingboys.net. Of course, you look at who else is doing what I'm doing and what did their sites look like? And I remember finding you. And at that time, you weren't doing a lot. You weren't putting a lot out there. And I found out later when I got to know you, I think through that interview, and then especially as we worked on this, that was when you were dealing with a lot of stuff with your family. Your parents Mm -hmm. were ill. And so you had taken some time off. Yeah. 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 And I remember scheduling the Boy Talk interview with you and being kind of nervous because you seemed like a really big deal to me. I am a really big deal, Janet. (laughs) And you still are a big deal to me, Jen. Then we did Help My Son Hate School as a webinar. Remember? Wait, did did we do that one first or did we do a homework thing first? Oh, maybe we did that. I really should have, could have retraced our steps. But bottom line, last January, I got an email from you and you asked if I wanted to do a podcast with you. And you know what? I am going to tell all of our listeners this for the record today. 
I am 100% certain that if I had not sent that to you and asked you to collaborate with me on this project, that there is no way I would have a podcast up and running for a year already. Yeah. I knew enough about you that, um, one, you are more tech savvy than I am. You aren't scared of the tech and this whole, the audio editing part had me terrified and lucky for me, you handle that part. And lucky for me, you write the show notes. We're such a good You all should check out, by the way. I put time and effort into those every week. Those show notes are awesome. Yeah, check them out. So. Yes, ma'am. Let's ask each other some questions. I have actually a whole page, just saying. (laughs) So if you run out of things to say, of course you do. (laughs) As she holds up a whole page also. So we promised, we promised to keep this within bounds time wise, but, um, I'd love to go first. I want to know what you wanted to be when you grew up or when you grow up considering (laughs) grown up yet, (laughs) considering I'm still working at that. Boy, what did I want to be when I grow up? That's actually a good question because I'm not one of those people that has a very distinct, you know, from the time I was four, I knew I wanted to be a doctor story. I didn't. And uh, in school, I was good at a lot of things. So that whole, you know, find what you're good at and do that. Oh, that wasn't it either. (laughs) But I will tell you these two things. I did always have this vision of me talking to people. Ah, even as a kid, and this will tell you how old I am. uh, I remember like Phil Donahue was on TV, right? I was aware of there being talk shows and things like that. And and experts would go on talk shows to talk about stuff. I practiced that in the mirror downstairs at my house. I I envisioned doing that sometime. I practiced cooking shows. I was Julia Child. Just saying. I bet you have a great Julia Child voice. <laughs> I don't know if I was her voice, but but it's interesting. We both have that like out there kind of vision yeah. when we were kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, also, I, if I will put it out there. Maybe this will even be more pressure for me to get it freaking done. I write, you know, I write. I still need to write a boy book. I need to write my book about parenting and raising boys. And I haven't done that yet. Some of it is logistical and some of it is I need to narrow down my focus and a whole lot of it is fear. Well, I'm glad you put that out there. Now we can hold you accountable. And if anybody has just the great idea of which book I should write and what it should be about, (laughs) feel free to let me know. And if somebody would like to make me an offer, be my agent or suggest, um, send me a great advance, feel free to reach out to me as well. There you go. So many opportunities by just putting it out there. Now I'm curious, how about you? What did you want to be? Well, I was thinking about that. I, when I was maybe middle school, high school, I wanted to be an architect because I loved the drafting, the rulers and the erasers and the pencils. This was way before CAD. So, yeah. you know, it was very hands-on. And then I wanted to, because I had discovered Oregon and backpacking and forests and mountains, I decided I wanted to be a forest ranger. But, oh, that takes a lot of science. And I failed miserably in science, as I say to you, the nurse. But then 
I didn't know what I wanted to be until I was pregnant with my older daughter. And all of a sudden I woke up one day and I said, I want to be a teacher. And so I went back to school and it took me seven years to get my uh, elementary ed degree. And I became a teacher and then I had all those boys. And so I became a coach and an entrepreneur. I never ever imagined being a business owner. You know, it's interesting that your shift came when you were pregnant with your older daughter, because my shift from nursing to writing happened after I had my oldest son. For me too, there was something about becoming a mother that made me brave in a way I hadn't been before. Mm -hmm. Something about it, you know, I, when this child who I loved so much was dependent on me, I started doing more research and thinking about things and learning things and weighing information and somehow got more in touch with myself and who I was and what I wanted out of the world. And that led me to writing, which ultimately led me here. So letting these children into our lives has really shaped the paths of our careers and led us to one another, not to get too sappy about it, but it's true. It's true. And I also experienced that with being pregnant with Katie and having her, I had that feeling of, I can do anything now. And Mm -hmm. then it got even more powerful because I had a C-section with Katie. And then when I was pregnant with Anna, I absolutely knew I was not going back to the hospital. You could not make me go to the hospital. And so I had a home birth with Anna. And even now, I was at a doctor and, you know, they do your history and he was appalled that I had a V back way back in 1988 and how brave I was to do that. But, and maybe I was, and maybe I was just, you know, so stubborn. I didn't want to go back to the hospital, but it's interesting because thinking about the threads, Anna, who I had at home is now a labor and delivery nurse and when she was applying for midwifery school, she Mm -hmm. referenced in the first paragraph her home birth. Do you know, we have not talked about this story before. I did not know until today that you had a home birth. Mm -hmm. I switched from a doctor to a midwife between birth one and and two. (laughs) And when I was pregnant with baby three, who, by the way, just got his driver's license today. So he's 16 years old. Yay, Adam. When I was pregnant with him, I had read about a nurse in my area, a nurse midwife, who was starting the first freestanding birth center in our area. And so I contacted her. And long story much shorter, Adam became the very first baby in the state of Wisconsin to be born in a freestanding birth center. Oh. And so this whole like path to trusting yourself, which frankly has infused a lot of my parenting. Mm-hmm. All that you know, connecting with the midwives and learning about myself and my child and how to watch and respond to my child's cues, mm-hmm. that became, at first it was the basis for breastfeeding mm-hmm. and, and parenting an infant. And it ultimately became 
how I relate to and parent my kids. I used that when I was homeschooling my kids and I'm continuing to do that now that they're teenagers, mm-hmm. not homeschooling, but it's all about looking to them and seeing what kind of cues they're giving me. What do they need? What are they ready for? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> okay. Did you ask me a question yet? Well, you mentioned, and I know you've mentioned it on here before, that your interest in boys kind of started when you became a teacher and you had this classroom that had a lot of boys in it and you realized, I don't know what I'm dealing with here. When you think back on that time now, are there some incidents that stand out that was kind of like, wait, this doesn't make sense to me? Or some incidents that with everything you know now kind of make you cringe because you just wish you had handled it differently? Oh, I have lots of those, but I have, well, I have lots of stories, but I I just, that brought to mind one particular day in our, I, I was a Waldorf teacher. And at the beginning of the day, we do, we stand and we say a verse and we sing and recite a poem or something. And there was a, I can see him to this day. He's in the back row, you know, everybody's standing up and he just falls over flat for no reason, just falls out flat. Don't drink while we're doing it. I know, I almost spit out my tea again. <laughs> and I'm just standing there like, what? are you doing and you know that was kind of how that whole first year went and but wait wait the nurse in me is still worried like did he go into diabetic shock and he fell over or he just fell over because he was being silly or what happened i don't even think he was silly being silly i i just who knows diabetes was diabetic shock was not in there it was not a healthy had the urge to fall flat. And, you know, of course his classmates loved it. And I was a fresh brand new teacher, even though I was older, it was still, oh, it was still such a surprise to me. And I look back and I really do know that there were times that I was a little bit afraid of their energy and their creativity. And they were, always i mean there was always something going on and we were on a farm property so we had lots of outside space but the day that i was sitting at my desk at lunch and i opened my side drawer in my teacher's desk and there was a mouse in my drawer and i just looked up and i thought this is the story of my whole year like <laughs> all these little shocks and it yeah so it was crazy and very life-changing, obviously. But then what? So it's, you know, the first step then is to realize, what? I don't understand these people. I, I probably need to know a little bit more about boys to effectively teach them. So what did you do then? You know, how did you begin learning more? And then how did you go from that to, I am going to make this my life's work? Oh, Yeah. Well, I started reading a lot, got my hands on everything, Michael Thompson, Michael Gurian, Steve Bidolf, all the guys, all mm-hmm. those people that were, were kind of bringing this to the forefront. And I did communication skills training, and I could wow. see how that wove into how men speak, how women speak, and um, always just kind of curious about human personality, temperament, all of that fed, wove into that. 
And then I was finished teaching. I didn't want to teach anymore. And I became a coach and started working with parents. And along the way, I discovered that I loved to speak and teach to adults, teach parenting classes. And so that kind of propelled me to keep going. And what was the question again? <laughs> here, I here I am. Yeah. I mean, I think you answered it, right? For both of us, this has been a relatively gradual but consistent path. Mm -hmm. And it keeps coming up in our lives. That passion yeah. is there, right? That for me, uh, I started reading all those same books that you did, Michael Thompson, Michael Gurian, Leonard Sachs, he bit off the whole thing. I started reading all of that because I suddenly ended up with all these boys in my house and I didn't really know what I was dealing with. And yeah. so I started learning for myself. That's where it came from. And it's innate to me. Maybe it's partly why I'm a writer. I have that knowledge. Then I want to share that with other people. Yeah, that's the and, teacher in us. And I want to share also, because I think it's, it's kind of the background, the backdrop of my story. And it took me, it was probably, I was at least five or six years into pretty much doing Boys Alive full time. Mm -hmm. And I realized one day, well, let me back up. My mom always used to tell me that I was so much like my dad. And I resisted that. Oh my gosh, I didn't want to be like my dad. I was like my mom. But she always told me growing up, you're so much like your dad. I could not see it at all. But about five years into this work, it occurred to me that I am doing exactly the work that my dad spent his entire professional life doing. He was a professional Boy Scout. And worked with boys, advocated for boys, um, just believed in the power of men coming together and boys coming together. And even this last weekend, I'm working on a little business reshaping and I want to bring this information into companies. And I was thinking about that. And then I realized, no, I actually want to work with uh, companies or businesses that support children through staff training. So again, you know, like the YMCA does before and after school programming. So helping train those, that staff to work with boys. And I was standing at the edge of the ocean last weekend and I realized that is exactly what my dad did for his whole life. And so there is definitely a feeling of legacy and rightness about where I am and what I'm doing. I bet your dad is very proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing a little dance up in heaven. I bet he is. <laughs> so I wonder with your dad being in the Boy Scouts for his career, were you surrounded by boys a lot when you were a girl? Were you familiar with, you know, boy culture as a girl or were you just sort of oblivious to the whole thing? Totally oblivious. He went off and did scout camp. My brother and him went off to scout mm. whatever, whatever. I was a Girl Scout, so I did, was familiar with scouting, but that was my dad's world. And mm -hmm. we didn't really get 
occasionally we might go to summer camp or something for a cookout, but sure. we didn't really partake. Yeah. Were you, uh, I hate to even ask this because it sounds so ancient, but would you have classified yourself more as like girly girl or tomboy or somewhere in between when you were growing up? Tomboy. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. I liked being outside. I was a swimmer and then I discovered backpacking and even now, like dressing up feels a little bit like um, pretend play to me. At Can I do your makeup sometime? Sure. You want to do <laughs> nails too? Nope. <laughs> I got it right. for you. Because we're kind of speaking about childhood. And you grew up with brothers. So mm-hmm. what is the craziest thing you did with your brothers? Nothing. No, that might sound Never. No, so it's really kind of strange. I'm the oldest of six kids. So I'm a girl. Then there were four boys. Then my sister finally came along. But by the time she was born, I was ten. You know, there's a ten year age gap. So when mm-hmm. you're sixteen, it's awfully hard to be close to your six year old sister. It's just yeah. really different places in life. So I had these brothers, but I also I don't know. I had a really risk adverse parents, especially my mom. So like, I never climbed a tree ever mm-hmm. in my whole life. But uh, you lived in the, didn't you live in the country? Yeah, we did. But um, we had a creek that ran along the back of our property. I skated on it in the winter time, but that was it. There was like no playing in the water. You don't go in the water like that's no. Oh, oh I, wow. I um very much a rule follower. And to this day, I'm much more of a rule follower than, you know, many people I know. I didn't do crazy things with my brothers. I just, that was not my world at all. It took me having these four sons of mine. And then especially after my divorce, right? I wanted to keep doing things with them and traveling with them. Well, we couldn't afford to rent a cabin anymore. My siblings gave us a tent for Christmas. That's when I started camping. Um, and I cried the first time that I went camping with the boys because there's all this stuff that I didn't know. And I had to do this all by myself and it was horrible. Uh, and of course it wasn't horrible. It was just the newness of all of that. And, and then I also realized that, oh man, I can't not go in the water with them when they swim and stuff. Like, I don't have a baby anymore. I don't have that excuse. And there's also not a dad to go in the water with them and play. So uh, here I go. <laughs> and on some level, I realized that I wanted them to know that moms can do those things too. It doesn't yeah. just have to be dads. And so parenting my boys and raising my boys made me a lot braver. And it took me all that to learn that I do love the outdoors and I like being active and outside, but I didn't know any of that when I was a kid. And anybody who knew me as a kid is a little bit shocked at some of the things I do now. My sister still can't believe I scuba dive, for instance. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. So another gift that our kids give to us, huh? Yes, very much so. Yeah. Do you want to go again or do I get to? You get to. (laughs) All right. We have talked with a lot of interesting people 
in the past year. We've done a lot of episodes. What's your favorite episode that we've done so far? Oh, wow. That's like asking who my favorite child is, Jess. No, it's not because you only have two children, so I get it. Picking is tough. There's like 50 episodes. You cannot like them all the same. That's true. I could ask you what your least favorite one is, but I won't do that. Yes, you could, but I I would never say that. I really liked the interview with Katherine Reynolds Lewis because I love her book. The Good News About Bad Behavior. Thank you. Yeah, The Good News About Bad Behavior. I loved that interview. And I loved, of course, our, our beloved Australian boy champion, Maggie Dent. We had so much fun with her that we had to make two episodes out of that one. I think that one was my favorite. Yeah. 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 I really enjoyed it. And I think that there's so much good information in there. Whether you are a relatively new boy mom or you've been parenting boys for two decades, you're going to get something out of that. Definitely. And I love that. And this goes back to what book is Jen going to write? There's so many angles to take on this raising of boys. She raised four boys. She's a grandma and had the outdoor Australian experience. And it's just so fun to hear people's stories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's neat to then sense those commonalities in there because mm-hmm. obviously she's raising boys in Australia, different country, different continent, different time than I'm raising my boys. Mm-hmm. And yet some very, very similar issues. And that's why I think it's so important that we talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Because so often parents of boys and teachers of boys feel like they are the only ones dealing with these problems. Yeah. Yeah. It is universal. Yes. Yes. Um, Let's see. I know. If you were shipwrecked on an island and you had everything you needed, like, you know, food and water and all the essentials, what would be the two items extra items that you would take with you? The only two items that you would take. Does the island have Wi-Fi? <laughs> Probably not. Okay. Um, oh, man. Well, I would like to say in e-reader that I have already stocked with a lot of books. Okay. But, you know, I will probably lose charge on that one for a while, after a while. So Mm, That's true. And even if I bring along pencil and paper, I'm going to run out eventually. I don't know, Janet. You caught me off guard with this one. I know. I had a chance to think about it ahead of time. But what um, would you bring? A journal and colored pencils. Uh-huh. I de- never even thought about running out of them. Yeah, see, I did. To me. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I did. Maybe it's only a short stay on the island. Who knows? Yeah. Generally speaking, those are two things that I take along when I travel anyway. Mm-hmm. Stuff, something to read. And this is where the e-reader has come in handy. Generally speaking, I much prefer to read a book. But as an avid reader, like, it's always, what if I run out? And, you know, books are kind of bulky to pack when you're trying to go light. So you can put 10 books on your e-reader and have them there just in case, you know, you need something else. Right. 
Right. Other people I know roll their eyes at that, but that's how I roll. And then a journal. And I don't use anything fancy. I don't know about you. I just use, um, typically it's a five subject notebook. Uh I just usually every day, not always every day. And it helps me stay sane. Me too. People in my life right now are probably laughing and nodding and going, well, that's questionable and debatable, but it's what I got. (laughs) Sane, air quotes. That's for sure. Who inspires you? It sounds so like the right thing to say, but it's true. It's my kids. My kids are brave in ways that I have yet to be. And at this particular moment, I would say my oldest son, he's 21. He's living on his own. He's supporting himself. He's finding his path in life. Despite some significant challenges right now, as an adult who has, you know, two and a half more decades of experience, I know how easy it is to just sort of curl up and give up and and not have the energy to keep going. And he does. He keeps trying things. And that inspires me. Yeah. Inspires you, Janet. Well, my kids, of course. My girls are amazing. Anna has lived in Africa in a village with no running water or electricity. She was in the Peace Corps. Um, The only white person in the village. And, And Anna is, she's not only white, she's a redhead. she's pale pale white yeah although she became solid freckles but um to be in burkina faso which is one of the poorest countries in africa and to be um a redhead let's just say she was a phenomenon (laughs) Mm -hmm. not i mean they have occasional Peace Corps workers come through this village, but no one had ever seen. And the kids were just amazed at this, at her red hair. Um, but she has traveled all over the world. She travels by herself, which just, I am still not brave enough to do international travel by myself. And just both of them, their sense of service and their, yeah, just, how they're doing their life, you know, it's just really inspiring. And I was also going to say, I am so inspired by the parents that I meet and the teachers that I meet and their desire to be better and to understand their kids is really just brings me to tears. You know, we talk both of us right now about being inspired by our kids You and I were just talking about how our kids inspire us. And I want to give hope to all the parents who are listening because I am sure that you and I both had a lot of moments when we were raising the very children that are our inspiration today, that we admire as human beings, when we had significant and grave concerns if they were going to turn out to be decent human beings or not. Yes, absolutely. It was not a bed of roses, that is for sure. And if I get any message across in my work and in this podcast, I want parents to know that's normal. So much of what you are going through and your boy is going through is normal. Mm -hmm. And talking about it is helpful for all of us because then we get this more realistic sense of what's normal 
And if there is a problem, we can get ideas from other people. We can get resources from other people. Just feeling bad about it all by yourself doesn't help you or your son. No. And what I can tell you by having a 33 and a 30-year-old is that it's fun to look back on how I parented. I think it's more fun for them than for me. But I've asked them before, do you remember how much I yelled at you? And they actually don't remember. So take heart, not that you want to be a yeller necessarily, but take heart that a lot of that gets lost in the, in the mists of time. A lot of the details get lost in the mist of time, both good and bad. You know, I took my kids to so many museums and events and all this. They don't remember most of that. Yeah. But they do, I think and I hope, have this general sense that mom cared, mom cares, and mom was there. Yeah. And that's what matters. That's what matters. So looking ahead, Janet, what are your hopes for the future for our podcast for boys and for families. Funny you should ask that, Jen. I was giving a talk at a conference for early childhood educators last week, and I was so curious what they are thinking about kind of the bigger things like toxic masculinity. And I wrote on the board, hashtag the future is female. And I said to them, what how do you think this is for boys to see this on t-shirts and how do you think this is for men? And so talking about that bigger cultural place that we are in society and I just put an X through female and it was, then it became hashtag the future is human. And that ultimately is the goal that we can be ourselves and we can understand each other. And I believe the work that you and I do, Jen, in helping parents and teachers understand boys is so fundamental to this piece of being able to understand each other, have realistic expectations of each other, and to just simply love each other. It's funny you should say that because as I was prepping for this podcast, I was thinking about what would I say is the biggest challenge facing boys right now? And I do think it's this idea that people are kind of overlooking boys and their concerns and not paying attention to their experiences or listening to them. And I understand that there's cultural reasons why that's happening and why people are saying we need to elevate the voices of people who weren't heard from for so many years, including women and including minorities. But if we have a generation of boys who feel like their opinion, their thoughts don't matter, that's going to be a problem for all of us. So I encourage all of us to open our hearts and minds to the boys and what they have to share with us. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. I hope we're doing this five years from now. Oh, five years from now, we'll be getting ready for Sam to graduate from high school. Oh, wow. <laughs> Stay <Whoa>. tuned. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh, Jen, I adore wow. you. Thanks for joining On Boys. 
Real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men.